support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Carl Photography Podcast. that we always start these that the most important thing that we have to do is lay the groundwork and find out why it is that you picked up a camera for the first time so do you remember exactly what it was that made you want to become a photographer at all well i originally got into it because my dad was a photographer and he taught photography for a long time and i was probably like in between nine ten the age of nine or ten i'd, I'd imagine um where my dad, he'd just kind of be going out shooting photos and he had an extra camera and, you know, just kind of offered if, uh, you know, asked me if I wanted to come out and just kind of mess around and take photos with him. And I was pretty young to really understand the like magnitude of, of what photography can do. But I just remember having a lot of fun spending time with my dad, um, going out and shooting pictures and whatnot. And, um, Shortly after that, I got into, I got more into the video side of things. Um, but that's what initially sparked my interest just with cameras and the art or the medium of photography and um, filmmaking and just, you know, being able to capture a moment in time and then go back and revisit those memories in the future. Um, I immediately was drawn to that and just found it to be extremely intriguing and and then I just kind of ran with the video stuff for a while. Um, through high school, I was doing, I kind of dropped the, the, I didn't necessarily lose my interest in photography, but was just 90, 90% of what I was doing was video um, just for fun, just filming the adventures my friends and I would go on. And then uh, recently, about a year and a half ago, March of 2019, is when um, my dad actually gifted me a film camera. And that is what reignited my love for still photography and particularly film photography. And then the last year and a half, you know, it's been, been the roles have kind of reversed and I've gone back to just really focusing on still photography and then uh, being able to make videos on YouTube about that medium has been, has been an absolute blast. Well, what seems to be quite interesting at the moment is that, I mean, maybe for about three years, there's been sort of a universal movement to bring back film photography in some way or another. And it seems to be yeah. lots and lots of individuals that are sort of finding film photography. And there has to be some kind of mm -hmm. mitigating factor between all these people, despite their their geography and their their circumstances, they're all finding their way back to it. What was it about being given that film camera that made you like suddenly fall back in love with it? You know, I've been thinking about that recently and it's hard to pinpoint exactly one specific thing, but, um, when, you know, I, when my dad showed me the camera, I didn't even know it was for me. He just picked it up and, and, you know, I was like, Oh man, are you going to start shooting uh, photography again? I didn't even really know about like, film photography. Like I knew, you know, film existed obviously and in motion picture film and all that, but I didn't really understand what film photography was at the time. I was just, I strictly shot on digital like my entire life. So, um, to see this film camera and to, you know, have them kind of explain exactly what film was and why it was special. It, it drew me in initially. And then 
I remember the first time I shot on it. That is what initially sparked, I think, my long-term love for film because, you know, I took it to the local um, camera store where my dad purchased it and kind of had them run through uh, how to use it and kind of what the whole process was like. And so I went out and shot with it for the first time. And uh, I just remember it being, you know, very barbaric compared (laughs) to digital photography, which actually interested me a lot because, you know, it's, it's that, that the first, it was the first time I'd ever, you know, shot an image and not been able to look at it right away. And it was the first time that I had to really uh, think about my metering and, and like understand how light worked in a frame. And it just slowed my entire process down uh, to a point that I was extremely unfamiliar with shooting on digital for so long. And I got that first rollback and I actually kind of messed up. I got a couple blank shots in there, but um, I just remember getting those scans back after a week. It was like a week after I had shot it, um, shot that roll. I got my pictures back and I was just immediately blown away by, um, you know, the, that kind of natural, uh, natural feeling that film has the, the color rendition and, you know, all of the, the kind of basic things that people love about film, the grain, the dynamic range and, you know, the high highlight roll off and all that. But, um, for me, it was, I think it was more the process that initially got me really intrigued. Just that's that slow, um, very methodical, uh, shooting process it was something that I was unfamiliar with. And it was a really nice change of pace, especially for where I was at, like at that point in my life, just in college where everything's so rapid and instant to have this medium that like really helped me take a step back and also enjoy the things that I was shooting. Cause so often I'd shoot video and I'd, I'd solely rely on the, on the video to, you know, spark memories about that moment. But with film, it's like you take it in as a person as well. So it's like you're feeding your own memory bank as well as having a lot of images to look back on. If you excuse me for asking such a painfully broad question at this point, but if you've done video work and you've done digital stills work and you've done film stills work, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you're the same? Are you the same person with each of those mediums or do you feel like you, you put on a different hat, so to speak, when, depending on what you're actually working with. I feel like uh, I've always been like the same person, no matter what medium I'm shooting. Um, when I was really focusing on my, on my video work, the direction I was planning on going was kind of like YouTube, blogging, Casey Neistat kind of style uh, stuff. And yeah, it was just at a really like immature stage of my life. So I think during that time where I was trying to run with, you know, this YouTube, uh, film, you know, kind of making videos every day kind of thing. I think, uh, that, that it was a very different version of who I am now. And film photography, I think has actually helped me mature as an artist just because of the process and because of how intentional you have to be with what you're shooting and, you know, just that idea that every shot does kind of come with a dollar amount attached to it and you have a limited amount of shots. Um, I think that totally changed my perspective on like really any sort of, uh, 
any sort of photography or even, even video, you know, I, I noticed that it kind of changed the way I shoot my videos as well. Just really slowing things down and, and thinking about the shot that I'm composing on the video side of things, which is something that I just would never do, especially, you know, as if you're doing like YouTube, um, video stuff, it's kind of just run and gun, like capture whatever you want. But, um, through shooting film, I've also taken a lot of the traits that I've developed through film photography and applied it to my video work. And it's been really nice, but yeah, I'd say, you know, I've, I've always, it does like, depending on which format I'm shooting, it doesn't really change who I am. Um, definitely obviously changes how I shoot, but, uh, I think I've kind of found my home with film photography. And then I, I love making like a, cause I still love video and filmmaking. So being able to use that skill and make videos about film photography, I think is I've finally kind of found my, my niche and, and my home. Well, it's interesting because like in terms of uh, linear time, it was film that then morphed into digital as, mm-hmm. as the technology progressed. But what we're seeing as with yourself, myself, and I think a lot of other people, they actually started off digital. They started off with that instant gratification, that ability to instantly check back on the work that they're doing. Yeah. And then they've moved towards film. And I think one of the, the common misconceptions with something like film compared to digital is that it's an old, outdated technology as mm-hmm. opposed to the way that I sort of see it, which is like it's comparing electric guitars to acoustic guitars. Just because you have an electric guitar doesn't mean there isn't a place for where an acoustic guitar would actually be a more useful tool for the job. Absolutely. Do you think that you would be different if, if you'd have sort of began learning on, on film? Do you think you'd be a different photographer at this point? if you'd have gone from film to digital as opposed to digital to film. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because if I had started with film, um, which, you know, I think is uncommon for people my age, like you said, I think most of us kind of started with digital and transition, you know, the, the, the current film photographers, maybe they started with digital and, and they've kind of over the last couple of years found the medium of film. Yeah. I think had I started with film, um, which would have been possible, especially with my dad being a photographer. He shot a lot of film back in the day, but he was kind of one of those people that was drawn into that initial um, excitement of of the digital cameras. And he, he when he, he was when he was teaching, you know, he taught a lot of film photography, and then kind of right in the middle of that, he was uh, like digital was completely introduced to the world of photography. And so he transitioned all of his teaching material and the, in the classroom environment to shooting on digital, which is kind of funny, but, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think it's even possible that the roles would be reversed. You know, maybe I had been shooting on film for six or seven years and, uh, there, I might've found, um, the change to, to digital to be a nice change of pace. Um, I'm just somebody in general who, always likes change, whether it's the place that I'm living or what I'm doing for work. You know, I I have a hard time sitting in in one location for a long period of time. And I think that transitions uh, over to, you know, my, my art and, and what I'm shooting. Uh, So, you know, it's definitely possible that had I been shooting on film for six or seven years, just switching over to digital and having more, um, you know, just not having to, to worry about limited number of shots and actually being able to see my images right afterwards, right after I take it and make adjustments on the fly. Perhaps that would, I would have found that to be a very nice 
change of pace. Um, and I recently had an experience just last week where I was out shooting nighttime photography and I was shooting on my, I shot a good amount on my digital camera at night. And, uh, it, I mean, honestly, it was a much easier experience than shooting on my film camera just because you can bump the ISO up to 3,200, 6,400 and still get usable images. And you can see the photo right afterwards and make these critical adjustments that you wouldn't be able to make on film. Um, so I, you know, I found myself really realizing, wow, digital is a very valuable tool still. It's just, you know, making sure you pick out the right tool for the job. And 95% of what I do now, as far as still photography goes, it seems as though, you know, shooting on film is the correct tool for me just with the process and the actual final image that I get. I just, I, I think film does have a, a look to it that is very, very difficult to replicate on digital. And it's just something that I really enjoy. Um, but I've, you know, like last week, like last week, um, like I mentioned, you know, I was like, wow, this the, shooting digital at night, this is, uh, this is highly beneficial and kind of made me want to invest in a, you know, a nicer digital camera, um, just for those specific applications. So I think it really depends, but, um, yeah, you know, I think going back to your original question, um, I think it would have been perhaps roles reversed and just finding, you know, switching over to digital would have been a nice way to change up my style of photography and maybe yeah, it would have made me a little bit more creative, just like film has made me much more creative um, after I jumped into it last year. Well, to go back to what you were saying there about not wanting to stay still for too long, mm-hmm. I've noticed obviously looking at your Instagram and just generally knowing about your work, there's a lot of work from, you know, Norway, Ireland and different parts of the United States. Um, I mean, we've mentioned before this started that you've been to London, which I have my condolences for you for. Do you use, uh, my original question was going to be, do you travel to shoot or do, do you shoot while you're traveling? In other words, which one kind of leads to the other? But I feel like you've kind of already answered that. I guess the question is, would you still be traveling as much if you weren't a photographer? Would, would, would that, that itch to move be there as much if you weren't documenting it at the same time? That's a really great question. And I think, I think I, it's an, oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I think I definitely would be traveling just as much. I think I would be, cause you know, I, I've always been intrigued by traveling. My parents, they, you know, they moved to Norway for three years and during the summers they'd travel all over Europe. Like it's just wired in, in my, my DNA, I think. Um, but having like, I struggle with not being able to go anywhere without having photography in the back of my head, you know, whenever I travel, it's like, it's, I do go place, I tend to go places and then like, but the, the, the idea of shooting somewhere doesn't have like super heavily inspire me or, um, you know, it doesn't affect, uh, where I go particularly, but I think, uh, I, yeah, yeah. Oh man. It's so tough. I think, uh, I think I would just <laughs> I be traveling out. a little bit. Yeah, I know. Uh, well I think, okay, let me, let me, let me start fresh here. So I have <laughs> definitely gone on trips specifically for photography. 100%. I absolutely love traveling though. And 
I would love to be able to just go places and not bring my camera. I was recently talking to a friend and he was like, yeah, you know, I got this buddy who kind of got the same issue as you, you know, uh, he, he, cause when I, like, I'll be driving down the road and I'll like see something and I can't pull my camera out and then I get super stressed about it. I'm like, Oh my God. So that just happens to me all the time. So it'd be nice to be able to really divide the two and be like, okay, I'm going on this trip specifically to shoot photos or I'm going on this trip specifically to just enjoy traveling and all the joys that come with traveling. Um, I think traveling is a really special thing when combined with photography because it enables you to capture something extremely unfamiliar to you. Something that I think about a lot is if somebody came back, if somebody came to my hometown, they would probably see things that I wouldn't even think about shooting because it's just so familiar to me. So I think a lot of my best work comes when I'm traveling because it's such an unfamiliar sight for my eyes. And I see things with a completely open mind, open mind. Whereas if I shoot my hometown, you know, it's, it's things that I've seen for 20 years of my life and they've just become extremely normalized. Whereas, uh, you know, if you came to my hometown, I think you would see things in a completely new light. Mm -hmm. That's, that's one of the biggest motivators to travel as far as, the photography side of things go is just, you know, if I'm if, like last summer, I did a trip, went to 10 or 11 countries in Europe. And, and of course the whole time I was <laughs> looking to make photos, but the places that we decided to go, my friends and I decided to go, like I didn't specifically choose those places because I was like, I really want to photograph this specific place or this specific landscape in this country. It was like, I really want to travel and see the culture there and, and see what that country has to offer. And while I'm there, I'm going to have a camera and be documenting it. Um, Norway is one of those. I think if I could shoot one country for the rest of my life, it would be Norway just because the landscape is so diverse and it's such an amazing country. And uh, I, I went there two years, uh, the, the previous two years, um, before my trip last summer as well. So I'd been there three years in a row and the two years I went prior, I didn't even, I wasn't even into film or really still photography at all. So it kind of, I saw a lot of landscapes on those two trips that I'd love to go back and capture on, um, on film. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm working towards being able to, to separate the two more. Um, but overall, I think, go. I, I love traveling and I'll uh, go to places. There's places that I want to go that I haven't been yet. Um, Southeast Asia. And you know, that, that just kind of initially draws me in. And then of course I'm going to have my camera with me to document whatever I find, but I find myself rarely going somewhere with the intention of like, okay, I really want to shoot this specific thing that I saw on the internet or something like that. You know, it's like, I'm going to go somewhere, see what I see and then have my camera ready to document that. So it's more a case of kind of breadcrumbs your your photos are yeah. kind of just showing people or showing even for yourself yes. as a good trace of, of everywhere that you've been one of the things i think people get quite wrong with photography in general and obviously this is entirely an opinion but because it's mine i think it's 100 percent correct is that people don't actually experience the things that they're photographing mm -hmm. a lot of the time they photograph them and then then they kind of only absorb them when they look back at the photographs. They were never really in the moment. And I think like a good cultural example of that is if you've been to like any music festival or gig. I was just in, going to say that. Yeah. So nobody is actually watching it. Everybody's no. too busy recording it so they can watch it later with terrible audio quality and terrible visual quality. 
and, and make sure everybody knows that they're having a fun time, you know. And culturally, we all know that you're not having a fun time because your arm hurts because you're just <laughs> holding your phone up in the air and you're not even paying attention to what you're doing. It's one of the funny things with with cameras in general is the more and more cameras that we seem to have, the less and less in the moment we seem to be. Yep. How much of your traveling is research-based in the sense of do you, do, do you dive into the culture of where you are and like go beyond the tourist attractions to find the photos that you want and to find in general the experience that you want? Or are you someone that just kind of goes where you're led to? So recently, like last year's trip, uh, it, it really depends on if I'm like with my friends or just by myself. I went to two years ago, I did a trip to Europe completely by myself. And that was a really fun experience because I found myself interacting with people that I'd meet in the hostel and really relying on, you know, the local culture and local community to recommend places to go, uh, recommend me places to go. So that was a lot of fun. Cause I, you know, I, I like, I met this kid from South Korea who was just traveling alone by himself and he didn't speak a lot of English, but we ended up spending an entire day together on a, uh, riding a train in Switzerland couple of local towns and walking around shooting pictures together. And, you know, he had to use a, a translator app so that we could communicate a lot of the time, but it was such a natural and organic experience, which was something that was super cool for me just because previously it had been a lot of just relying on Google and searching cool places in Switzerland to, you know, travel to and see and, and whatnot. So that was a real eye opener for me, just how how much better experiences can be if you set your phone down and just kind of go to a place and ask somebody on the street, Hey, you know, like what's a, what's something cool to do here? What's, you know, cause nine out of 10 times they're going to, they're going to know better than, than Google. Because like you said, you know, when you just look at, look up a place, um, or, you know, top 10 sites to see in, in Austria or Switzerland, it's just going to give you the, the touristy basic landmarks that everybody goes to. And chances are, if you're going there to shoot photos, it's a photo that's been shot a thousand times. And yep. by interacting with the locals and engaging in like really being vulnerable and, uh, and letting yourself kind of dive into a country's culture. I think it gives you such a unique experience compared to just being on the internet, having your head down the entire time and, and not talking to the people in the city that you're at. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that that's something that I want to show in my photography moving forward, especially as I mature as a person, just not only photographing really, you know, Oh, this is a really cool looking landscape and it's really dramatic, but how can I capture the culture of the place that I'm in? How can I tell the story of the people that live there? Cause I think that's one of the most fascinating things just uh, on a human level is right. We tend to get trapped in a little bubble. Yeah. I, I specifically have just my hometown where I grew up. I think I become so accustomed to the way we do things that I just think this is right. And this is normal. And then I go to a place, you know, some small town in Germany and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is just, it totally opens your mind uh, to new ways of living, to new beliefs. And I think that's one of the best ways to grow as a human being. So, you know, through traveling and photography, 
I've definitely seen how beneficial it can be to just, you know, when you, when you're out at these, these locations, like put your phone down, you know, have, have your film camera on you because like I mentioned earlier, I think if having a film camera is a great way to balance being in the moment and being present, but also documenting it to look back on later. So yeah, I think I've kind of found a, a really good fusion between traveling photography and experiencing the cultures of these places that I go by having a film camera, setting my phone down and, you know, trying to engage as much with the local people as I possibly can. Uh, I, I've been saying for a while that I think we're about a decade off of realizing the serious mental damage that having a phone on you all the time is actually doing, especially yeah. to younger people. Um, but to move away from travel a little bit, talk about your photography, because I'm, I'm obviously a huge fan. That's why I got in contact for you to come on the podcast. And something in particular, I'm a really big fan of yours and something that I really value myself when it comes to the way that I shoot, the way that I, I do it probably for a different reason, but the way that I find photographers is that you seem to have a fantastic ability to not only capture a scene, but to also look for details within it um, and to find um, like accompanying pieces to the broad sort of, you know, when you watch a movie, you have that 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 landmark shot that shows you, you know, where the scene's about to take place and then we punch into the scene. Your photography yeah. seems to follow something similar where you show the grand area, but then we also pick up on interesting little details. And um, I think something that you kind of mentioned earlier about how if I came to your hometown, I would view it in a totally different way and I would be so excited by stuff that maybe you, you've gotten used to. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want the words that I'm going to use here to come across as rude because I promise you I don't mean them to be backhanded, but something yeah. you're, you're extraordinary at is photographing things that are relatively ordinary, but photographing them in a very artistic way and in a, in a way that really well accompanies the other photos. When you're actually out shooting, are you shooting with the mindset of like, okay, so I'm going to capture the wide shot and then I'm going to look for little details or is it just you go kind of where you subconsciously are taken by your, by your own mind? I think it's primarily subconscious and cause I don't, uh, so I recently did that video shooting in stores. Um, and I posted a few of those images on Reddit and Reddit's a great place for constructive criticism, by the way, because people aren't afraid to just shoot you straight. <laughs> and, uh, I got <laughs> some comments that were like, like interesting concept, but, these photos are meh at best. And, you know, like I see nothing special with these images and that's totally fine because I, I wasn't going in there with the intention of, Oh, I'm going to make a time capsule piece out of this specific project. And, you know, these are photos that I'm going to look back on 10, 15 years from now and see how much the stores have changed. And, you know, I really want to emphasize how mundane, you know, this, uh, this human experience is in 2020 and, and all this, you know, I, I wasn't going for a deeper level of, uh, it, my images weren't meant to have any sort of, you know, deeper level of, of meaning. It was just literally, I'm, I wonder if I can get my Pentax into some stores and shoot some, some visually pleasing and interesting images from a perspective that a lot of people don't see on a regular basis, you know? And so I think a lot of it's just this subconscious interest in photographing things that, I find either visually pleasing or interesting on some sort of level, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that I, when I shoot a, a scene, I don't think I intentionally always will 
you know, say, okay, I want to get this broad shot to give people the idea of where I am and what's generally happening. And then I'm going to shoot these specific details that kind of fit, fit everything together in some sort of, you know, larger scale puzzle or something like that. I think it's just, I'm right. And I think I'm, this is part of the maturing process as a photographer, but right now I just, I love shooting things that just stick out to me. And it's, hard to pinpoint exactly all, you know, always what about that photo sticks out to me in particular. Um, sometimes it's just the way the, uh, you know, a color pops out or sometimes it's just sometimes like a, a building will just fit inside of my frame lines in a way that I think is really aesthetic and looks visually uh, visually nice. And I'll go ahead and shoot that. So I think as I, develop further as a photographer, I think I will have these kind of more intentional and meaningful, um, ways of photographing things. But right now I think it's, it's really heavily driven by my subconscious. There are certain times I'll go out and shoot and I'll, you know, have some sort of artistic idea behind it and, and kind of figure out a way to, you know, make, make it have a, a deeper meaning. But, um, yeah, right now I, I just really enjoy it. And I think that's what draws me to, to landscape photography because I just love filling the frame with something that I find beautiful. And I, I love hiking. I love being outside. So I think that also naturally draws me to landscape photography. Um, yeah, I think, I think the majority of my photography right now is just subconsciously I'll get drawn to something and I'm not really sure why. And the fun part is if people see the image and they ex- extract some sort of meaning from it, then, you know, that's fantastic. It's, I think that's one of the joys of photography is you don't always have to go into it, you know, with, okay, this is supposed to represent this and this is supposed right. to be a metaphor for this. Everybody can kind of extract what they want from an image. And it's fun to, to if you do have those intentional meanings behind your photos to share those at some point after everybody's had an opportunity to look at the work for a while and extract their own meanings. And then you can say, okay, this is actually what I was kind of going for. And everyone can be, Oh yeah, I can see that. Um, but. Well, isn't that the thing, right? That's the case with a lot of, a lot of great artists were the ones that had the ability to give up the control of interpretation mm-hmm. and to just create something that spoke to them. And if you want to think yeah. it means it's about war and someone else wants to think it's about sex and someone else wants to think it's about nothing. Who cares? Because that's kind of the purpose of art is for the person viewing it to do what they want with it. And you can't control that. And I think we're in a bit of an epidemic at the moment, especially, you know, the, the obvious uh, uh, examples would be people that add the really deep, meaningful captions to their Instagram photos that really definitely have no fucking effect at all on people outside of just making some people roll their eyes where you should, yep. you know, there's not, there's nothing wrong at all, at all with creating a piece of art that is intended to be a nice aesthetic. And it doesn't have to have, especially like this day and age, there seems to be a lot of politicization of things or a lot of societal, um, every, you know, we live in a society kind of nonsense where people want to make something into a statement where it just isn't. And they're almost shoehorning a meaning after the fact onto a, an image rather than take an image you take it for the reasons that you want to take it and let people interpret it and give up that control. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I've been guilty of doing that plenty of times, especially kind of when I was, you know, three, four years ago when I was a bit younger and a bit more immature, you know, I'd post these 
stupid bonus pictures on my Instagram and have some sort of deep, inspiring caption behind it. You know, it's just complete bullshit. But um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had time to to mature and reflect on that, and I think that is uh, a big part of how I've kind of developed into um, into somebody that can look at things with a bit more of an open mind and um, re- you know, kind of realize when that when I'm when I'm not being true to myself and I'm kind of putting on this facade. And uh, I, re- I did a video a few weeks back where I went out and shot nighttime photos. And going into the the night, I didn't have any intention of kind of creating this. Um, you know, I, I talked about the photos in the video and I kind of mentioned that it gave me like ET vibes, young reckless teenagers out one night, uh, sci-fi, stranger things, like this kind of general mood of, of the images is kind of what I extracted after the fact. But I didn't go into that night with that intention of, okay, I'm going to make sure that all my images have the moon in the sky and the colors are going to kind of give off this science fiction film vibe. And, you know, it's going to, the the vantage point that I shoot the pictures at is going to give the perspective of some young teenagers that are like spying on this government, you know, project that's going on. That's, this is all stuff that I kind of extracted afterwards, but I kind of went really in depth with the description of the photos. And a lot of people commented uh, and said, you know, said, uh, dude, the way you just, you talk about your photos really creeps me out, man. And <laughs> like, and I had to, I had to, you know, I, I'm always one to hear feedback. I want the feedback from people. Cause I'm not, I don't want to just do my own thing and have everybody, you know, hate it and, and, and offer me feedback. And then I just ignore it. I think there's a good balance between doing what you want to do and staying true to yourself, but also listening to what people have to say about your photos so that you can better improve as a photographer and a, as a human. So I kind of listened to these responses and I, at first I was like, Oh, what do you, you know, like, Oh, screw off, man. Like I'm doing what I want, you know, but now I've like taken the time to process it. And I was like, yeah, maybe I did get a little bit far fetched with some of these meanings. And I was just trying to kind of create this uh, deeper level of, of, uh, photography or make my photography seem, uh, more intentional than it actually was. Cause truth be told, I was just going out to make interesting photos that night. And then afterwards, you know, I kind of saw the general theme of the photos and I tried to interpret that and put that into my own words, but I think maybe I did get a little bit far-fetched. So I'm still trying to figure out, you know, is that something that is okay to do? Can you just go out and shoot photos with no real intention? And then after the fact, try to put together, you know, was there some, some subconscious idea that I had in my head that I didn't even realize at the time, but afterwards it kind of all pieced together and formed this, you know, general overarching, um, storyline. You know, I, I, I really don't know if that's, if that's frowned upon or if that's something, a lot of people liked the, um, the description and the kind of the, the way that I talked about the photos, but there were a lot of people that didn't as well. So maybe, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but I'd be interested, interested to hear uh, your side. You know, what's funny is I, I remember I put up a set of portraits a while back and um, it was three images of the same model. And in each image, there was a pretty like, um, I'm not sure if I can even put this in an Americanism, but it was a pretty stern look, a pretty stoic look on the model's face. And yeah, there are, um, how do I say this about offending like 60% of the population? There are like older men that constantly think that a woman that's not smiling, there must be something wrong and that a woman's job is to smile almost. It's kind of a really mm-hmm. weird 
middle ground. I can't really quite figure out what was going on culturally that led these people to be so yeah. fucking concerned with the expression on someone else's face. But um, there's, there's inevitably like a comment or two that comes up whenever I post something that isn't like a happy portrait, I guess. And one mm-hmm. of the comments that I had that was like, what made you settle on this expression? And my response was just, well, her smile was a bit fucking goofy in the pictures that we did that were more lighthearted. So I wanted to go for something that wasn't so fucking goofy. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like we had this big, deep, meaningful conversation about how we were going to try and impact your life. Yeah. It's just literally, we worked through what wasn't working to what was working. And aesthetically, I like how this looked. And honestly, if you're looking further into it, you're probably putting more work into my photography than I have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love what you said about just this, this wasn't working. So let's try something different that will work because when you define working, it's something that I think only photographers and relatively mature photographers can understand. Sometimes just something as simple as a facial expression can make a photo work or not work. It doesn't matter how you compose the image, how you frame the subject, what she's wearing or anything like that. It can boil down to something as simple as a facial expression, making a photo or not making a photo. And I love thinking about those things because I'll shoot a landscape and and I, and I'll notice like a log in the bottom frame, bottom portion of my uh, frame. And I'll be like, wow, if that log wasn't, situated there the way that it is, I don't think this photo would have worked and I don't think I would have been drawn to it. That's chaos theory, right? That's the best part of Mm -hmm. photography is the chaos theory when there's an element that you probably couldn't recreate in the same way on purpose and get the same feeling, the same internal feeling of satisfaction as a photographer. And I think obviously, because I primarily photograph people, a lot of that is in expression. And a lot of the way that I work on expression is basically to see what buttons you can push with a person. I try and find out generally what annoys them and what they enjoy. And then you can kind of play those yeah. two things off each other. And you have um, essentially like one puppet string on either end of someone's emotions and you can kind of push and pull to see what you can get, but you can never guarantee where that ends up. And that's the, that's the awesome thing with photography is just trying to find that balance in the chaos to, you know, you're never Mm going to end up with what you wanted. You're going to end up with something and you might love it. You might hate it, but you, you, there's no definitive plan. And I think it's something as well with like, um, you mentioned earlier about not wanting to just have like the pretty landscape. There needs to be something else to it. I think that's what's, what's missing for a lot of photographers and a lot of creative people in general is that they focus so much on putting together all the right pieces so that, well, it worked for someone else, therefore it will work for me. So with photographing models, it would just be like attractive model, good styling, decent light. And then it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. but I need to feel something. That's a human being in front of the camera. And I I still need to, I have to like them in some way for me to, or not like them profusely for this to be an interesting sort of image that speaks to me as opposed to just, yep, that's a person. Yep. They look fine. The, The light is not a problem. That's all good. We're fine. Like you want to avoid fine as much as you can with photography. Right. Yeah. And I think that translates across all types of photography, whether it be portraits or landscapes or anything else, you know, uh, one of the fun things when I first got into film photography, I was doing quite a bit of portrait stuff. And that is one of the things that I find most fascinating about shooting portraits is you have an element of control over your image that you just don't when you're shooting 
any other type of photography. Landscapes, you just kind of come across things as they are and you can't change them other than waiting a specific amount of time for the lighting to change or, you know, waiting an even longer amount of time for a different season to come rolling around. So you get different colors, but with shooting portraits, you have immediate control over many elements of the image and you can kind of convey a, you know, like you said, a, a, a more stoic look, something that's a bit more dramatic or something that's a bit more goofy and fun. And you can do that on demand. And I think it takes an incredible amount of skill to be able to, first of all, direct the model in that way and say, this is what I'm going for. And then it also takes a certain amount of skill on the model's end to you know, understand what it is that you're going for and be able to bring that vision to life. It's the same way, uh, same thing in acting, you know, the director has a certain concept in his head and it takes a certain skill, not just to, as an actor, not just to convey the fact that, oh, you know, we're, we're acting, but to really dive into um, the layered context of what the director has in mind. So it's the same way with photography. And I think the, I, I mean, I have utmost respect for the, for the, well-renowned and skilled portrait photographers because I don't think people fully appreciate just exactly what it takes to make a comfortable looking image. You know, I think at least when I first started taking portraits, I'd kind of have no idea what I was doing and I just, you know, okay, try this. And I just kind of focus on making a, a compositionally good looking image as opposed to, Hey, try this facial expression. Hey, put your arm here, you know, yeah, let's change yeah, yeah. your outfit. There's all these elements that go into play that can really make or break a photo, uh, a portrait photo. And uh, I think that's potentially what even kind of drew me away from it. Uh, for now, at least, is is it was a daunting kind of task for me to face. And um, I think I'm not always the best with expressing like I, I feel like I have coherent ideas in my head a lot and many of the times I'm not the best at conveying those ideas that I have and that can be frustrating for for models and when you're kind of working in um you know, in a bit of a time crunch from scenario to scenario you know when you're trying to say what you want but you can't really put it into words and then um I found that happening to me from time to time and uh, I think that's what maybe even drew me to just shoot landscapes by myself. You know, I can work at my own pace and just uh, work in my own mind and um, just be out in, in nature and reflect by myself. But yeah, I think, uh, I mean, shooting portraits is such an interesting thing because people really, I don't think, understand how layered it is and how complex you can make it. I think the biggest problem actually with with portraiture in general, especially for people coming into it, is that um, a lot of people try and imitate someone else's directorial style or the way that they work yes, on set absolutely. so especially in the age of of youtube being so prominent you can literally see thousands upon thousands of people all approach it from a different angle and really it's potluck on how you first find portrait photography and how you see it done and then mm -hmm. like a lot of things with human beings we see something done once and we decide that that was the right way to do it and anyone that goes against that is obviously like completely off kilter, but they're not, they're just, you know, everyone approaches it differently. I've had, I've had a problem in the past where, so my personal style is that, um, I, I completely refrain from the over indulgent, like 1980s style compliments because it just doesn't suit me and it would sound sarcastic in my tone of voice. So I'm not constantly like reinforcing people 
when I say something's working, it has way more weight because I don't say it constantly. I'm not constantly like, you know, trying to make it into this, like, oh my God, you're just this godsend of a human being. When I actually pay a compliment, it really has more weight to it. But something else I do quite a bit is I want to see what wakes you up because quite a lot of models in front of a camera are used to being in front of a camera, are quite bored in front of a camera. They're usually thinking about what they're going to have for dinner, what they're doing after the shoot, who, you know, what works on next week or whatever. They're not actually in the moment because it's like anybody when they're just at their day job. So I like to find a way to, to wake people up and maybe say stuff that's not the most complimentary. I'm not saying I'd be rude. Maybe I would be, I'm not sure, but just to, to, you know, just to kind of push buttons and see what reactions you get. And yeah, I've, I've had one person in, in particular, way, yeah. exactly challenge them. And I had, I had one person on a workshop try and imitate the way that I do things, but he has a completely different tone of personality. Mm-hmm. So it, it came across really janky and it came across like he was just outright insulting the model. And whilst it was obviously terrible, it was also one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a photo shoot. It's just the, <laughs> yeah. the awkward silence that followed the insult was so perfect. Yeah. It was almost like it was our TV show. <laughs> let me, let me quickly jump back to film here because I've got, I've got probably one of, mm-hmm. if not now, very soon to be one of the most prominent people in on, on YouTube when it comes to film shooting. And I don't want to waste the opportunity to not ask you a few questions. I appreciate one that. that's come up a lot on the podcast is film shoot is a version to sort of modern design and not in the sense of the camera or anything that you're using, but in the sense of what you photograph, it's not often you see film photography that actually photographs 21st century design. Quite often it's about photographing old buildings, old cars, you know, dilapidation, abandoned places and so on. Are you someone that has like, if you're out shooting and there's a modern car in the scene, would you go out of your way to avoid it because it doesn't fit the medium of film? Oh, that is a very interesting one. At first, I definitely was kind of engaged in that nostalgic ambiance that comes with shooting film. You know, I was shooting a lot of old cars and specifically going out to find these kind of vintage looking scenes. And now I think not necessarily because I don't, because I, um, I, I won't like, you mentioned if there's a modern modern car in my frame, I think I would avoid it from a just a photographical perspective, uh, like a photographical standpoint, as opposed to oh, I'm shooting film, so uh, you know this this modern part of the image can't be in my frame. There's you know I think it's just I oh this scene would work better with something a bit more vintage or a bit more classical. And I don't think that would vary if I was shooting on digital or film. I think even if I was shooting on digital and, you know, there was some sort of modern car or building in my frame, I think I would still, you know, if I could try to avoid that, just to bring, uh, just to bring the the image to a point where I'm pleased with and, and where I want it to be. So I don't think f- shooting specifically on film has anything to do with, you know, me trying to always portray this vintage and nostalgic vibe with my photos. But, um, I think it's just more from a general graph stamp, you know, just general photography standpoint. 
can this overall image is it a case then that you think that just like modern design is just not particularly attractive right it's very utilitarian it's very boxy it's very boring yeah, exactly. and safe is is that is that more the problem than than film as the medium yeah it's something that we see it's just like what i when i mentioned shooting in my hometown you know modern design mo- modernism is what we see every day it's normalized when you see an old car it's be, it's strikes you because it's something different and something unique and something that you don't see every day. So I think that's what not only draws me, but all of these film photographers, I think it's what draws them to shoot these kind of old subjects is, you know, I think, I think film photography, kind of, there's these kind of memes and stuff that have formulated about the, you know, the gas stations and the nostalgia and stuff. And, to a certain extent, it's true, but I also think that a lot of these photographers that are shooting on film are just drawn to these old classical cars, buildings, design, because it's something different. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people shooting film. Well, not unfortunately, but it's, you know, there's so many people shooting film that unfortunately, everybody is has such easy access to share the photos so everything can become oversaturated so quickly which you know part of that's good that there is so many mediums to share your work and there's so many outlets to get your work out there and film cameras are you know relatively affordable so a lot of people can pick them up that's all great but it it's really hard to create an image that completely has not been done before uh, and you know before the age of social media there wasn't a way to easily share photos like there is now. And so I think a lot of people were creating more original and unique work, but it's really hard not to like, I even find it difficult when I go out and shoot to not have some sort of subconscious influence by some other photograph that I've seen or some photographer that I follow, you know, it's like built into my brain because I consume it so much. That's what I do, you know, I do, I make YouTube videos. So I'm involved in the community and I see a lot of work on a daily basis. And I think it kind of tattoos itself into my brain. And, um, I think I draw a lot of inspiration subconsciously from other people. So yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, I think it, it wouldn't, it doesn't vary whether I'm shooting digital or film or still photography or video, you know, I, I just think I see modern architecture build, uh, mar- modern design, cars, all this stuff on a regular basis. So to find something old and unique and something that I don't see every day, uh, that's what draws me in to shoot the photo, not necessarily because I'm shooting on film. So because the whole world is currently obviously ending in about 15 different ways and everyone's in a constant state of anxiety and panic, I figured a good way to sort of push towards the ending of this is to just add one more element of how the world is ending. Um, and the way that I want to do that is basically ask you a bit of a, it's a bit of a loaded question, but mm-hmm. um, I'm quite interested to see your take on this. Obviously, film is becoming more popular. That's, you've said yourself, there's so many people shooting film. It's becoming more and more of a popular medium exponentially week on week, especially with lockdown. I think a lot of people have found film photography as a way to kind of to get through things. I found your YouTube channel during lockdown. It's been a big part of of me starting to shoot film. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have just used this time to maybe focus on a new medium. And it's obviously popular in general anyway. Um, a lot of digital photography is chasing after film look. You never see film photography chasing after a digital look, right? So um, that's sort of, the, that's the way the tide flows. Are we reaching a critical point where the popularity of film 
is diminishing the used market of cameras and that pretty soon where obviously a few years ago people thought that film would die because there wouldn't be any film available we might actually reach a point where there aren't enough film cameras available to meet the market Um, and especially with no other companies really on mass producing new film cameras this is such an interesting one because i i had this realization a couple of weeks ago i was like you know, my, uh, my Pentax, I, I like dented the, the, um, shutter dial a little bit. So I like can't lift it up and change my, my ISO as, as well now. And I, you know, I was, I was thinking, well, there's going to be a point where I just can't get a new Pentax or I just can't get somebody to repair this because they aren't making new cameras anymore. And there's a limited <laughs> amount of these cameras available. Certain cameras, I think, will forever, you know, the Canon AE-1s and the Pentax uh, K1000s and stuff. You know, I think these are, were, were such mass produced for a consumer audience that I think there, there's always going to be people wanting one and people, you know, wanting to sell one. But these more these these more professional grade, the cameras, the people that really are taking it seriously and buying these higher end cameras the you know these uh, these pentax six uh, sevens and the and the fuji g x 690s and stuff like that uh yeah you know i think there's going to be a point where nobody can repair them and nobody's making new ones that we're just going to run out of them entirely and i don't know what the time frame is on that but i definitely had that realization as well a couple of weeks ago you know some of these more uh, these these rarer film cameras i mean they're going to eventually go extinct just because people that want them are going to buy them and then from use and whatnot they're going to break and it's just going to diminish um, but i think in general there will always for the very foreseeable future there's always, if you want to shoot film, there's going to be a camera that allows you to do that. Um, but not necessarily for the specific type of film that you want to shoot. If you want to shoot six by nine medium format, I don't know if there's always going to be a camera available for you or six by 17. If there's, you know, there's always going to be a, a medium format camera available for you to do that. But, um, you know, I think like 35 mil and some of the, the more basic cannons and, and, Nikon F F threes and whatnot. You know, there's there's a lot of those around, so I think it'll last a while. But it's an interesting concept for sure to think that wow, film cameras actually might go extinct at some point. <laughs> it's a good idea for like an end of the world type movie, a short film on YouTube to scare yeah. <laughs> to scare the shit out of some hipsters for sure. I mean, right? literally, like was it yesterday or day before? Grainy days. So Jason was on the podcast back uh-huh. about twenty episodes ago, and he posted a. He posted a video about a, a film stock that he's using as like a Roly Variochrome alternative. Mm-hmm. My instant reaction as soon as the video started was like, well, fuck, that's going to be out of stock for the next six months because now he's done a video on it. So everyone's going to be buying it. Yeah. I was just going to say, I've thought about, you know, should I be buying an extra Pentax 6.7 body? Because it's a really good medium format camera for me. And I can see myself be using that for the you know forever as my main go-to camera so i'm thinking you know should i be picking up another six by pentax six seven or a couple more bodies just in case you know mine breaks and at some point down the road i can't find another one it's uh yeah it's so interesting but i don't know we'll see 
Now we just scared the shit out of everybody. I think it's a good time <laughs> to, probably to wind things up. Obviously, massive Sounds thank good. you again for taking the time to do this. I and appreciate ma- it. A massive thank, thank you. you as well. In in the midst of a really horrible year with lockdown and everything, your YouTube channel has been something that I've really enjoyed. Um, your channel has been so amazing to watch and, and uh, especially because you're quite often photographing parts of America that I'm fascinated by. So it's, it's a big deal for me. Um, we need to make sure everyone knows where they can go to see your work. Um, so your Instagram and especially your YouTube so they can go and enjoy what I've been enjoying. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you having me on the podcast and my, my Instagram, it actually, I just switched it over. So it's my full name now, Bray Hunziker. And my YouTube is the same, same deal. My full name, Bray Hunziker. So if you search me up on, on both those platforms, it should pop right up. But yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. This was this was a great conversation. A lot of inter- interesting topics to discuss. You kind of got my my brain firing right now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm worried things are going to go extinct and I can't shoot film anymore. <laughs>